Welcome, Pathfinders, to Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. I am Rachel, and this is After Party 53. Woo! Woo! Rachel by herself today? Awesome. Yes, she's all by herself. She's just going to be talking to Rachel. I'm tired, and I just thought that, you know, since I'm the host, I can say my name. You guys can uh, introduce yourselves. I'm Rick Sandage. I'm the host and game master for the Find the Path podcast. Uh, right actual now. play of Mummy's Mask as well as Tyrant's Grasp and Hell's Rebels. If you have not checked out Hell's like Rebels, a full feed, please. That's weird. I don't know. Y'all complained that I just said it was me. So yeah, but now y'all. your credentials are strange because if they're this far along and they don't know who we are, I was just using name. it as an opportunity to plug Hell's Rebels. Check it out. It's getting really good. <laughs> also, check out our Patreon. Also, just in general, yes. like all of our stuff is, we think, pretty good. So, you know, maybe you think it's good too and you should watch it. Listen to it. Listen to it, whatever, wherever it is. I am joined here uh, by my fellow path folk, uh, Rick, Heather, Hello. Jessica, and Jordan. Yeah. I hope you guys know who we all are by now. This after party covers episodes 157, 158, and 159. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so 157 started out with yet another mask vision. So sure. can I just say that this mask vision had Hakatev fighting a dino? That was hilarious. That was super cool. That was so great. And because he fought a dino, that's how we got Towerette promoted. Because she yeah, was true. like, screw your orders. And like jumped in there and was like, I'm going to save your life. That's I true. just true. think it's funny that this Shori just flies dinosaurs just in. Just dinosaurs and over. And just airdrops them. <laughs> airdrops dinosaurs into a series. It's, it's Operation Dumbo <laughs> Drop with Dinosaurs. That's I was exactly just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I still think that uh, the brother, uh, At- is it Atet? Atet? I think it's Atet. I think Atet's shady, yeah. Atet is, it, he's he's in line with the Shori, if you ask me. I mean, why not? I may be wrong. I don't think he's in line with the Shori. I just, I don't know. I know he's I probably he is up to something. Up until he gets what he wants, and <laughs> then he's going to sure. turn on him. Oh, That's yeah. exactly you know. what it is. I don't know. I don't know if I would ally with people that can airdrop dinosaurs into my kingdom and then betray them. I'm Those just are saying. exactly who you should ally with, though. <laughs> because then you get the power to drop the dino, and and now you're the powerful one. Yeah, until they airdrop a T Rex into. But Sophis. that was a very good example of why you do not have the wizard one v one. That's what that really was, <laughs> was good showing of because he couldn't he couldn't yep. have done it without a little little Toilet. little backup. It's true. Yeah. But uh, after we got to see the promotion and all that, uh, I think sibling rivalry has reached its max. Yeah. But uh, then we decided to kind of avoid the the snake motif hallway (laughs) for a little bit and went the other way, um, which I have uh, named the drop out the bottom trap. It's very creative. The best (laughs) trap ever. Have a nice trip. (laughs) The actual name of that trap is ruin my day. Unintended exit. Oh, that's actually, that's better. That's better. Unintended exit. I like that better. I enjoyed anyway. it. Uh, I, also, I also have to say that I appreciated for this trap that it said, uh, when the pyramid still stood on its base, all creatures standing on this nearly frictionless surface would immediately be deposited down into a deeper dungeon below the pyramid, where a maze of mummified horrors awaited the unfortunate. But now oh. the shoot merely drops its victims out of the bottom of the pyramid to fall 500 feet to Wati below. <laughs> I'm sure that's much better, though. That's still bad. I mean, I, I would have loved though if Citra had fallen before we'd even gotten in there, flew all the way back up. It would have been sad, but it would have been kind of funny in a wily e. coyote kind of way if you had like triggered it and it dropped you. 
And I was like, dang it! At least that time I wouldn't have been paralyzed, so I could have actually, you know, activated my fancy scimitar and yeah. not, you know, plummeted 500 feet. You, you do ground. also get a chance to make a climb check to catch the uh, the bottom, at which point you have to, like, make a ridiculous <laughs> climb check to climb on the underside of a flying pyramid <laughs> or just dangle there by your fingertips until someone can save you. Masika has her flying hex, and she also wears celestial armor, which lets her fly so many times a day, so getting dropped out of the bottom of the pyramid would suck, but it's not, like, life-threatening. Hollis is currently flying. Wow, whoopty frickin' do for you. Overland <laughs> flight, baby. But I, I'm just saying, it would have been, been, like, funny in that ironic kind of way of, like, why is it always Citra? Mm-hmm. Yes, well, why is it always Citra? That is a good question. <laughs> I'll, I'll sum it up with the biggest problem with the uh, the 500 foot part of this. You have to fall more than 500 feet before you can take a standard action. Yep. Which means that if you fell out the bottom of this, you would not have time to actually cast a spell before you hit the ground. Unless it's Featherfall. Yep. Which Masika does have at will because of there her hex. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, it's like even like if Sudi fell out, he wouldn't have time to activate his boots before he... Nope like hit the ground technically you probably have just enough time to activate them but not actually stop his velocity before yep. he hit the ground i think it's the justification behind it anyway yeah, but it either way awful all the way around that was a dead <laughs> end so then we had to mess with the snaky hallways yep yep and that uh brought us to the cool like elusive well there were two doorways first, but then it was that like a big illusory night sky room, which was really oh yeah, that had like w- the like night sky with Wati, and you could see the yeah. other pyramids. Yeah, yeah, that, that was one cool. was cool. Yeah. But the, the mirror sky walk was it mirror? Well, the no, it was a it was, was a mosaic funny. of like was it. the menagerie, and then there was also the false tomb on the other side. Yeah, but the menagerie room was hilarious because Citra was like, "I'm not going in there," and then we went in there and we got all healed, and, and we were like, "Come on, Citra, it's fine." And then Citra came, and then it wasn't fine. Yeah, why is it not fine? (laughs) The Animus Mural, by the way, is the name of that magic item. It was great. I'm excited. At least whoever got... I mean, Masika cast that spell, Vision, I think it was called, on the way back, going, huh, that's weird. Those animals are gone. Oh, Yeah, that was on the way back, though, so that was the next episode. Uh, This one, we just saw the pretty menagerie, and we're like, ooh, pretty. And that's where 157 ended. Oh, you skipped over a room. The false tomb. I didn't get to tell you the amazing thing about the false tomb. Oh, what is oh, the amazing, amazing thing about the false tomb? All right. So, what happens by if the we way, Michael it? Cortez, I think, is quickly climbing up my list of best traps. He may even eventually supplant Greg Avon for best traps. I don't think mm. anybody could knock Greg yeah. Avon off that Gre- throne. Greg Avon, for sheer danger of his adventure path books, maybe not. But traps, listen to this. The Tar Tomb. Once designed as a sacred means of irrevocably entombing a worthy supplicant, this room is now a perilous trap. The sarcophagus inside the Black Vault is empty, but the inner walls of the vault bear a short message in ancient Osiriani just above the entrance. Here begins my sojourn to Anubis as I rest in eternity. The magic trap is immediately triggered as soon as any creature within the central vault views these words, whether or not the message is read or comprehended. Viewing the words is automatic when someone leaves the vault unless a player spe- specifically says that her character walks out backwards or with the eyes closed or gaze re- specifically turned downwards. When the trap activates, the floor inside the vault turns ethereal, dumping all creatures within the vault as well as the empty sarcophagus into a 60-foot deep pit filled with magically maintained tar. The tar is a yielding surface, reducing the first 1d6 points of falling damage done on lethal, but anything that lands in it immediately begins to sink, as per the rules for quicksand. Oh my! The tar is 10 foot deep. 
keep in mind that the freestanding structure that you walked into has also fallen down and is sinking around you. In addition, the stone floor faces back one round after the trap is activated, becoming a one foot thick superior masonry ceiling. Hardness 8, 90 HP, break DC 35. 60 feet above the surface of the tar, a successful DC 20 climb check is required to scale the walls of the pit. Further complicating the matters is a magically sustained but nonetheless ravenous advanced black pudding that clings tenaciously <laughs> oh to the walls God. of this lower chamber and attacks anyone unfortunate enough to fall in the pit, fighting to the death. Oh my God. So oh you're, it's gosh. probably pretty guaranteed you're going to die unless the whole party <laughs> goes down. That's I awesome. feel bad for the starving to black pudding. What did it ever do besides be yep. a pudding? Be, <laughs> it's, just being a, it's just being a pudding. Or it pudding. has been basically just been being a pudding inside of this tomb for 6,000 years. So mean. It's still alive. It doesn't starve to death. Apparently not. It's It says it's magically maintained. So I'm going to guess it has like a ring of sustenance, but the ring <laughs> of sustenance keeps it alive, but always hungry. Aww. So that Weird. it wants to eat people. That's anyway, so sad. It's like a cursed ring of sustenance. So, so the real question is how many TPKs does that trap cause? Because I feel like that's one that could easily kill the whole party. Uh, yeah. I think by the point that you get here, much as you guys were, you're so paranoid about what is going to happen <laughs> in every room you walk into. Mm. But I just wanted to bring that up because I love the crap out of that trap. That is a phenomenal multi-stage, multi-layered trap. I just hear, I wish you guys had triggered it. It would have been no, great. thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> Pass. No, thanks. Yeah, because I mean, you can make an argument that it's like, oh, I'll just fly out and then I'll, you know, disintegrate th- through. Oof. But dimension door so if you are flying yeah. dimension door you're fine oh you guys haven't tried extra planar travel inside this structure yet nope we haven't oh, oh i don't no. like the way rick said hmm anyway because <laughs> it's never a pleasant hmm but yeah uh yeah then you guys got to get into the next episode and got to walk around yeah we uh got to go through the illusory night sky room and then eventually we sky found walk. uh we found a fun statue of hakatep the curse yeah that curse so is it, insane. That curse is yeah. fun. I had to explain that at the time because it was so good. Yeah. Yeah, that curse was good. I liked that it was just immovable rods. So I was like, hmm. But hmm. we did not destroy the statue and take the immovable rods, even though I'm pretty sure Hollis wanted to. I think I that curse is yeah, probably definitely. I think that curse is probably my second favorite curse in this book. Oh good. Why don't you remind oh, no, us that means there's one worse. Uh, so, long story short, the curse is a uh, almost a reverse shield other, except for any person uh, that has the same alignment as another person. When that person takes uh, damage, the individual also takes the same hit point damage. Ability damage, ability drain, or suffers curse effects within 60 feet of the individual. Ouch. Uh, so that's in addition to it. So, for instance, if uh, one person takes 30 points of damage from a fireball, then each of those other characters would take that 30 points of damage four times mm. for a total of 120 points of damage. Yeah. And this is why you don't make a party all of the same alignment. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of reasons not to, to have a variety of different points of view. If everyone yeah. is lawful good, it gets a little bit boring. Of, I think we should do this thing. We all agree with you. <laughs> yeah, Let's true. go. Nah, I guess. <laughs> there can be a, actually, there can be a lot of variety in the exact same alignment. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> lawful um, good follower of Torag and lawful good follower of Iomide will come to two completely different yeah. views on... Especially showing mercy to prisoners. But then we were in the sad room. Yes, that, I was just about to say, we uh, we got to learn more about the Sekpatra family. Um, yep. Which we did learn that because they were so disgraced, all of their cash money money uh, went to the Mafres. <laughs> which is hilarious. It's true. <laughs> 
Uh, that was an interesting little tidbit. Hinted at way, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because you knew that the Moffreys only became a noble family about the same time as the Jared II took the throne. Yeah, because somebody married in. And you knew that somebody married into the Moffrey family, which was also the Jared II. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Apparently, the, they got their money from somewhere, and mm-hmm. uh, that seems to have been redistribution of wealth from these people. Yeah. So are we going to get to learn the full story of how messed up this like relationship is between um, Hakatep's aunt and this family? Because like, there's well, got to be more to it. I, I kind of hope we do. She in, in this awful, awful room was all the adults of the family turned petrified, and their faces mm-hmm. melted off. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Basically. We did briefly talk about like bringing them back, but... That yeah. would be really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then still can. And then to add insult to injury, their uh, their funerary goods were behind a clay wall. Just it's like there's this Just really easy to break down wall, but all your crap's on the other side, so you don't have access to it. Yeah. In the it's, a, it's a symbolic. Yeah, thing. yeah. There is a lot in this book where I feel like they took a lot of the belief system of the ancient Egyptian people and kind of really incorporated in here where this is a punishment that a lot of people are like, well, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But if you're in the mindset of someone from that culture and and time period. Where it's like your afterlife is basically a second life. So they're deprived their afterlife. They're deprived their goods. I like that Hakatev's basically served me in this life and then the next life you get a flying pyramid also. (laughs) Yeah, basically. You can take it with you. (laughs) Although I'm just like, you should have put this in like, I don't know, dungeon somewhere like why did you clutter up your afterlife pyramid with all this stuff uh, Istakim Habet seems to have such a, a, a driving hatred for this family that she wanted to make sure she kept messing with them even after the fact that's weird <laughs> this thing in- sparks joy in her so she put it in her <laughs> temple so when she's in the afterlife she can still go laugh at them I'm starting to think she's yep. a bad person y'all she worships yeah. set <laughs> she's <laughs> She's, she's not been my fave so far. I'm starting to think she's evil, maybe. <laughs> she might be. Like, you know? irredeemably, you know? <laughs> like, bad. Like, you know, there's set everywhere. What was your first hint? <laughs> I don't know. Snakes aren't always set, and then there were set beasts. So, you know, whatever. I appreciate it. I think it was after one of the recordings. I was talking to Rachel, and she's like, yeah, you know, it's like, I know Hakatep's bad, and I disagree with, like, a lot of the things that he did, but, I mean, at least he wasn't sexist. Like, yeah. he had a yeah. lot of women in power. This is true. I appreciate <laughs> that about him. Again, yeah. it's, it's that you could be a bad guy and have that one redeeming quality. And apparently in, in Hakatep, it was like, no, I, I recognize that the capability of all women in my kingdom as well. Yeah, like, I don't in care fact, what here gender you, go, you are. Yeah, I don't, yeah. yep. Well, after we uh, learned about the sad fate of the Sikpatra family, we yep. headed back um, toward <laughs> our snake motif only to have uh, Masika use a really cool ability to yeah. learn about this mosaic wall and so why it wasn't so such cool. a good thing that we stepped into its Okay, lovely. I get that that I was so that cool, but I also... writing interesting. I also 100% wish that we didn't know and it was still like we were just going to have more like shadow I versions know, of ourselves. because That's it's so going to cool. be hard enough to take one of us down, to take duplicates of all of us. Oh, no. It's going to be yeah. so cool. But the second Masika figured out what it was, she was like, breaking this thing immediately. <laughs> And at least so our what, doubles, yes. And at least one, at least our double will have an animal head. So that's true. Yeah. From a GM standpoint, I find the idea of having it be an entire like of all of you and having to deal with that very interesting. I wonder how quickly it would get repetitive, especially because powers. they come and take you on one at a time. Mm. Yeah. 
But at the same time, if it was, okay, it makes a duplicate of the entire group and then they show up to fight you, they have your exact same stats. It's a and coin so toss it's a for everyone of who lives or who dies because yeah. it's like I'm dealing with someone who has is my mirror opposite in every single way. Ergo, but equal evil. opportunity. I'm really worried if it's Masika or Hollis because Masika rolls up on Citra, grabs her, and casts a Slay Living. Fortitude isn't exactly Citra's best save and you know, that kind of I, thing. I'm under the impression, having actually thought about this a great deal before coming into this. You don't say. I've been able to figure out a, <laughs> I've been able to figure out means by which where every single one of you would be deadly. I think yeah. we even mentioned it in passing in the last recording where it's just yeah. like, Citra could literally just walk up while you guys are in camp and then stab you in your sleep. Ah, but what Citra doesn't know is I have Mage's Magnificent Mansion, so good luck. You've mentioned that to the party, so Citra is aware of it, which means that evil Citra is also aware of it. So yeah. then she can't sneak up on us while we're sleeping. Greater Dispel Magic. Does she have that? I have. She could easily buy a scroll of it. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> I assume <laughs> also, yeah, because she has all of our gear. I'll just, I'll just stab your mansion and my ability to spell it. <laughs> I sneak attack your mansion. Yeah, this yeah. is evil Citra. Yeah, she has evil no problem. I guess if she is evil, maybe. But having put a lot of thought into it, it's just, I could easily figure out a way with any of you for it to be something devastating. Yeah, it's not uh, going to be because fun when I it, get to yeah. use all of my GM meta knowledge because I am aware of everything that you are all capable of doing, just as all of you are aware of what one another are capable of doing because you've experienced it. It's going to be awesome. And this mirror image has all of your knowledges. So, yep. yeah. Awesome isn't the word I'd used. I'm actually it's gonna really... It's going to be very cool. I'm I'm very worried about this. But again, but if, it had, if it had been an entire... If it had been all of you or if it had been like, okay, well, we killed Sudi in here and then... You know, Masika jumps us on the way to the slave trenches, and then Hollis, you know, clone attacks us in the slave. It's basically adding four additional encounters, and it's mm. like, okay. And then it becomes that, oh, well, well, we've killed everyone but Citra. I wonder when Citra is going to show up to try to kill us. Yeah. Oh, it breaks the rule of three, which is you can only expect people to do something three times before. They should have come out in pairs. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, that would actually work even up to a party of six. So, yeah, pairs would have mm -hmm. been interesting. Because then, then if you roll like Sudi and Citra, it gets real bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, we don't it's need even Citra then to have a when you're dealing buddy. with challenge rating, you are looking at taking on a challenge rating equal to your own party, which means that it should consume 25% of your resources. If you add in a second person, two challenge rating 13 individuals is the equivalent of a challenge rating 15 encounter, which would be tough, especially when I am basically required to metagame. Yeah. And go, I know exactly what spells everyone tends to use. Now you could, of course, go, well, they know that we know, so I'll vary up my spells and maybe I won't take this. But have I accounted for that? Do, do I know that you know that they know? And so on and so forth. Oh God, Is it, that. you know, will someone show up and go, well, I picked up something for electricity resistance because I know that screws over Masika. Oh, I have that lo locked and loaded. That is like a thing <laughs> I have. Always. <laughs> Narmer has a ridiculous stealth check and a bunch of spell-like abilities he doesn't use frequently, you know? Mm. I'm so. not scared of Narmer, sorry. I'm not scared of Narmer. <laughs> but for him, <laughs> for him doing reconnaissance and then... <laughs> yeah, the recon ability of Narmer would be a huge problem. I mean, I guess, like, but they can easily just divine and find us. If you're looking at weaknesses, you can turn it around on every side. It's like, okay, Citra has poor fortitude save, so I can just disintegrate Citra. It's like, oh, that's great. But if it's evil Sudi who, hey, I just pop up and out of, after being merged with the earth and then, you know, Floria blows stunning fist. Yeah, but Sudi is in the group. It's not like we don't have a Sudi of our own. That's why the fight's going to be cool. 
Yeah. No, no, that's my argument. That little city on city violence. There is no bad choice out of the four of you for which one to make an evil mirror version. Where I can't go, I can think of a good way to deal with this. Since they have all of our equipment and all of our abilities, it's going to be a very deadly encounter. It's not going to be a walk in the park. Well, any one of us by ourselves is not as powerful as we like to think. No. Because if we True. fail a save or if we get hit the right way, we go down. Like, there's by ourselves. I almost like, got killed good. by the one of the next things we face, which is yeah. a good segue. <laughs> um, a good segue. So, after we destroyed, or sorry, we, after Masika destroyed the mosaic and we learned about our, our possible doppelgangers uh, coming out here, or sorry, animal headed doppelgangers, I should I'm excited. Um, we ended up going back through the Snaky Snake Tunnel and came to a crossroads where we saw a Fasu and Stable, and we were like, Stable sounds safe, it sounds stable. Uh, Only it had a friggin' Gorgon named yeah, Korontuk. Korontuk. Yeah. I was like, cool, a horse, that'll be neat. No. No. Yeah. She, she's got a thing for petrification, so of course she's her like, mount petrifies people. Weird. Weirdly <laughs> obsessed yeah. with it, honestly. It what I want to know is how did she train it if it is her mount? Like, how did that happen? Did you, like, have to, like, sacrifice a bunch of people to, like, keep yeah, it probably. happy? Like, oh. I weird. mean, it eats rocks. Apparently prefers the rocks. I wish it was more like people. a little rock troll from, like, The Witcher, because <laughs> those are so adorable. Well, this is definitely not that. No, it was not adorable, and it Thankfully, almost it killed Citra. didn't stab you to death. That would have been very bad. Sure. Yeah, that's a, that's an awful combination to do a Gorgon, which is already one of those oh crud kind of fights, and make it mummified as well, yeah. so that it has that. Okay. It's like doesn't matter how it kills you, it's bad no matter how it kills you. What was with the razor blades? Oh yeah, oh, that's a great question. They do kind of mention here. I don't really have much of an issue telling you this. You know, after after Istakim Habet was uh, was rescued from her petrified state, she became intensely obsessed with inflicting such pain on others. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> Hence, she eventually picked up this Gorgon. Yeah, it's uh, during the mummification process, the embalmers took the opportunity to make the creature more terrifying, hmm. inserting a thicket of outward-facing blades into the monster's hardened flesh. Hmm. Basically just gave it an extra ability that caused 1d6 plus 5 points of slashing damage uh, any time that you strike it with a non-reach melee, onum strike, or natural weapon. So basically, Fun. while they were mummifying it, they were like, hey, this thing's already kind of made of metal. Let's just make it blade. Let's Spikes. just make it razor armor. <laughs> you know what to make it more metal? More metal. Uh, it's <laughs> like the uh, in Brotherhood of the Wolf where they cover it in the weird armor and spikes and all that stuff. Yeah. So a couple fun things about this creature. Uh, first off, it did uh, indeed have the vulnerability acid, which eventually came up. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, over 200 hit points. So mm. bully on you guys for yeah. actually taking it as quickly as you did with Two a staggeringly hitting. good AC. Yeah. I mean, it's huge and made of metal. I'm not surprised. <laughs> its attacks are uh, plus 32, plus 30, plus 30. Oh, it would hit me every time. Yeah, yeah which is uh, part of the reason why part of its tactics is the fact that it uses its power attack. To yeah. take a minus five penalty for a plus ten damage, so that's doing three d eight plus twenty three for its horns. It is a deadly thing. And I made the add right on to its ability to there. haste. Can I just interesting play a side note on this? <laughs> uh, it didn't get to use this, by the way. It does have critical. It does have uh, improved critical and critical focus for its oh, horns. Oh, really? Uh, and He's staggering critical. Boy. So if it manages to stagger, it, like critical you, it staggers you automatically. Wow. Oh my god. Uh, even if you make the save, you're still staggered for one round. So what? otherwise, it's one d four, I think. He's a very, very stompy boy. Yeah, doing mm. that much damage, it could take out 
I think everybody but me. I might have been able to take four hits from it. I'm pretty the, sure uh, my AC is better than yours, isn't it? Well, no, I'm just saying in pure damage. Like, if it hit all four times, uh, I could survive it because I have 169 hit points, but I'm not sure, and damage reduction, but I'm not sure any, if any of the rest of you guys could I certainly it. was not surviving that. Because that thing was doing, what, like 30 to 45 points I got hit for 45 points of damage yeah. in one go. Oof. Yeah. Now, granted, I dealt it right back to him when I dealt him yeah, 52 so you didn't give points as good as you damage got. back. That was but... rad. It's it's yeah. hooves do substantially less damage. Although when they're when it's power attacking, it's still doing one d eight plus seventeen. Yeah, but Jeez. it's the power attack that's deadly for it. The yeah. interesting maybe saving grace for a party, uh, I use that term very loosely, is uh, it does have very interesting tactics, <laughs> where it spe specifically states the creature takes great pleasure in smashing its petrified victims. It uses its breath weapon as often as possible. Uh, it actually, unfortunately, I rolled a four on the D4, so it was actually Thank like goodness. five rounds before it recharged. <laughs> um, but after it uh, petrifies victims, the Gorgon focuses its violence on them, oh, attacking wow. and, trample oh. and trampling the statues oh. until they're destroyed, Jeez. only waiting for its others? breath weapon to recharge, and there are no statues left to crush. Even if other things are attacking it, it focuses on the statue. I feel wow. like it was trained oh, that's to rude. Do that. That's rude. <laughs> that is super rude. The worst case scenario is because you're coming in off of a hallway, it breathes, and then it tramples. Mm. Yeah. And then it turns around and tramples again, and it tramples back and forth, just breathing anytime it gets a chance to, until everyone is reduced to rubble. That sounds like a good Jeez. old time for it, but awful for oh. anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that definitely could have gone a very different way than if that was its tactics. Well, thankfully... Yeah. Narmer was able to spit some acid down its throat. Narmer saved the freaking day, man. I think that's <laughs> that his first so kill. I, it, I, I was think thinking it was his first kill. kill as well, which is why it was epic and awesome. And of course, now Narmer's, what did he call himself in the next room? The Gordon Slayer. Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> With one hit. <laughs> he's gonna, you're going to show back up and he's going to be like all black armor, like he's some sort of like black knight from Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Mashika, I bought a sword. <laughs> well, Narmer uh, continued to be helpful when sure. we went across the hallway. The boat. Mm -hmm. um, he explored a little boat. So, was the the all the rolls that he had to make were to avoid? I'm assuming all the sharp implements that were within the boat. Uh, actually, there's a cumulative ten percent chance the boat collapses. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh fun! <laughs> it, it it has not been well maintained over the last six thousand. Well, I was like, he's <laughs> a tiny right. creature. So he would have been okay. But we did find, and by we, I mean Narmer found a dune boat, which yeah, I think we are so all excited about, about to find. Yeah, everybody wants everybody the dune boat. We're using it to go to the slave trenches. We yes. could teleport, but this sounds so much more fun. If we fly the pyramid, I think we should fly the pyramid. We'll do both. Ooh, we'll, we'll pull see. the dune if, boat if with the pyramid. If Masika can you know, use the controls because of her heritage, that'd be pretty yes. cool, but we'll see. We shall. Narmer and I will figure it out. I have max ranks in engineering. I can. That's true. Yep. If anybody's going to figure it out, it's going to be you. And we have Chisisex blueprints in a bag. We can give me some time. I'll sort it out. Dune Boat as uh, foreshadowed an entire book ago now. Mm -hmm. So cool. So cool. Anyway, from there, we went through the final snaky tooth hallway. Only this time, instead of uh, a hallway with two doors, there was a hallway with three doors. I believe we gave uh, one room was the chamber of preparation in the Scrivener's Wall. That's and where then, they made the uh, mummies. The other room that we have affectionately dubbed the Wub Wub Room. Yep. Yep. 
And then the, a third double door pathway that we have not named yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> but the it double has, doors it has with set beasts. Yeah, with set beasts on it. I bet you I can never remember her name. Ma, 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 is through the door. I'm just going to call her Bet from now on. Hey, Bet. Yes. Well, it's kind of hard when it's kind of hard when a villain has five syllables in their name, and it's not yep. like a first name last name deal. It's just like no, this is your entire name. She's, she's Auntie Bet. Auntie Ista. Uh, but uh, yeah. That's what Hakatep used to call her. She's probably through those double doors, and so we went to the control room. Whoop, 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 and apparently, whoop. we assume an, it's the control room. I mean, we don't know. Well, from the description, I imagine that's what it is. Honestly, I thought it was the, maybe just the engine room, not necessarily the place Bay. you control it. Yeah, we'll see. It's where the warp core is. And there's things in there. We didn't get a chance to do anything in there because there's some invisible creatures waiting to probably try and kill us. I'm saying you got to prepare and do see invisibility. If you're playing a wizard and you're at high level and you're not seeing invisibility every day, then you're playing wrong. Sorry. Fight me. It depends on what you're facing. Because uh, I remembered as my Inquisitor preparing uh, Sea Invisibility all the time, and it paid off for me twice. But when but it, it pays off, it off. pays off. And it's not the well, high-level yeah, spell at this point. Well, that's the thing, is I could have just bought a scroll or a potion. And then when something invisible long. attacked me... Yeah, but then you it. have to take the time to I know. use the scroll you have to or notice drink the potion. However, however yeah. if you're in an adventure path where fighting invisible creatures is much more common... Which seems to be this adventure path. I don't yeah. know. I feel like a lot of them I've played and have invisible fights enough that it's. I it's feel worth like doing. we see. I was least. in Carrying Crown and those freaking necromancers never cast an invisibility, so screw them. But the one or two times it came in handy, it was amazing. And that's I do what feel makes like it it's at it. least once an adventure path I, I've seen invisible fights in one shape or form. Mm-hmm. Whether that's like a wizard that casts invisibility or just like you fight a weird creature Faye. or whatever, yeah. Very short random tangent on that is that that gets into the category of. Um, feats and or abilities that you take that are worth it once that save you and whether or not that's worth the loss of the versatility for something that comes in to play constantly. Mm-hmm. With the sea invisibility spell, I'm not casting that many low level spells right now, so there is no reason yeah. for me not to cast that every day. There, there's a difference with my Inquisitor where that was one of my mid-level spells. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, it's for Sudi, it won't matter as much next level because once I hit next level, I'll have 30-foot tremor sense. So as long as they don't come flying at me, I'll be... No, they're always flying. Alternatively, if you yeah. can cast heroism, there's no reason to not always have heroism on. That's, yeah. <laughs> heroism That's true. That is a bar school, else I would cast that all the time. Um, speaking of Inquisitors, heroism. Anyway. God, I love the Inquisitor. Shall we move on to some emails? Sure. Yeah. Emails. So our first email is from Larry from Hermia. Am I saying that right? Oh, Hermia. Hermia, good beach Hermia? scene. I always say Hermia, but I've heard Hermia as well. Okay. It's however your party doesn't laugh at you. Oh, you can say <laughs> Hermia. Hermia. Larry from Hermia. Hermione. If I'm oh, a my. dragon, that's how I say it, right? <laughs> Hermia. Hermia. Anyway. Okay. Hello again, <laughs> Find the Pathers. Hello. Hello. First, Ooh. if I recall correctly, you are Texas-based. Yes, we yeah, are. You are correct. We are. Yeehaw. Hope you are riding out the recent storm safely. <laughs> Um, Once again, yes. shout out back to like four months ago, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, it was just during the snowpocalypse. Storm we, and we are still Yeah, we've been getting a lot of just storms so. recently, so sure. I think it works for either. It's true. Where in Galarian is Cancun? Nah. Soddenlands. Soddenlands are like, we need beachy. Are the Soddenlands beachy? Doesn't get beachier than literally what Pirates. Pirates. <laughs> Either that or all the way over in Arcadia, if you prefer. Yeah, Arcadia (laughs) is fun. Somewhere in Arcadia. Arcadia, maybe. He says, let me know if you decide to fly south for the winter. (laughs) 
I have nope. been to Cancun, and it is interesting. <laughs> Second, have been getting increasingly caught up on Mummy's Mask, now Ooh. just past the broken soul. Awesome. Mm. However, I couldn't help but cringe in hindsight as you announced a new venture with the tagline, on January 6th, we rebel. Yeah, please yep. tell me that was a horrific coincidence. Uh, it, was it, was. It, was. it was a horrific coincidence. We planned that launch well in advance of yeah. any of those Yahoos going and trying to overthrow our government. It, start, it started happening, and we were like, oh. oh God. Yeah. On the release day, we were like, oh, we're releasing. And then we're like, oh, gosh, we're releasing. Crap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, January 6th was just... We're not you know, up on the crazy internet web yeah. planning. We didn't uh, know that we were like, having law some Law enforcement and the FBI did not come by and ask us no, questions. Like, no. no, it was total coincidence. <laughs> they take yeah. one look at our internet history and are like, no, those guys are fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, we, but we no, didn't it was get a, the memo. Right. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely a horrific coincidence and hopefully there will never be any more horrific coincidences like that. If terrible things start happening whenever we launch a podcast, we may have to... Stop figure out podcasts? something to figure out something to do about this curse. Yeah, we just yep. uh, we don't announce Adventure. it. We it just happens. It just shows it up just in appears. your feed. Oh, guerrilla podcasting! <laughs> yeah. I like oh, it. Man. <laughs> nice. Anyway, he continues with finally, maybe continuing along the road already laid out. Maybe inspired by my own recent experience with a com- campaign that got a little too gritty at the end. Care to share any RPG horror stories? Hmm. Like what? Well, I have one. Okay. And I won't name any names. Uh-oh. But um, Quick pause Ross was there, the so there's one name. Long story short is I was involved in a campaign with a couple who were basically, it was a, over a year-long campaign, and it was the slow disillusion of their relationship. Oh. And the slow disillusion of the interaction between the characters in this campaign. Yeah. So that's that's probably the most uncomfortable situation I've had. And unfortunately, Ross was the GM for that, so he had to deal with, with that mm. going on. So uh, that's that's the one that uh, that springs to mind as being my, my RPG horror story of having to deal with something. There was one yeah. where Jordan and I played, and it was like two players and a GM, and we showed up with like 10th level characters or something, and... Uh, the GM didn't tell us that he had built it to be PvP and oh. he was expecting us to fight each other to the death. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. And I was like, nope, done with this. Absolutely not. <laughs> Thanks. Don't spring that on me in a little secret note card from the GM. Oh, I think I have one. Why is it always like breakdown of relationships? I don't know. Uh, that's what we makes were at weird. Heizocon, the first oh, year. Oh, that was weird. <laughs> and we were all at a table together. That's society. That put us off society, period. Yeah. For a long time. We were sitting at a table, and it was the majority of our group, but then there was this couple that the guy was, like, super excited to be there. You could tell he was just having a great time. And I don't know if it was wife, girlfriend, or whatever, but she was just in a mood. And, like, anything he did, she would snap back at him. And it was, like, it was so uncomfortable. And it, like, almost got our some of our party members killed because she's off going and doing her thing. And it was just, like, Murder lady, it up. this is why I don't play with strangers. <laughs> yeah, that was not great. Yeah. So that's that's our horror story. I did play in a game at PaizoCon where uh, James Jacobs was the game master one year. And a guy kept trying to argue rules with him. <laughs> oh, mm. God. 
Why? Why? That, that's James Jacobs. Why are you arguing? <laughs> you know? But yeah. Yeah, do, you, that... do you know who he is? <laughs> so there's a few. Unfortunately, most of those seem to revolve around uh, couples issues. Unfortunately, having two couples in our, uh, our crew here, we haven't ever had to deal with that. In large part because I think we both uh, healthily talk through our differences as opposed to letting them boil over and then using the veneer of role-playing as an opportunity to be like, well, I'm not going to tell you trash. that I'm upset with you, but my character, you know, is angry that your character didn't clean up the camp last night and take out the trash, and <laughs> now, ergo, you're not getting healing anymore. I will <laughs> say, it could theoretically be a great therapy tool for you. True. If used correctly. Yeah, just not at the table with other people, <laughs> don't, don't who, are like, people. Yeah, who are like, I didn't, I didn't come here for a therapy session, I just wanted to stab some goblins. I need all of you to help me in my group therapy. Um, it's just about me, though. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, Larry ends with thank you as always. Larry from Armea. Oh, we're going to say it like that from now on. I I, I am now. I don't like that this is catching on. All right. P.S. Too bad. It is by no means a one-to-one correlation, but your assignment of Hermea to the Hawaiian Islands matches up oddly well with the island of Nihau in that they are both secretive islands managed by powerful benefactors. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting. Now we know. Also, we can write down that Ermea is uh, Hawaii. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's remember. Maybe Taldor has started a evil pineapple conglomerate there. Oh, Oh, pineapples! I've been watching so much Psych. Anyway, all right. Just the history of Hawaii, and they really got such a raw deal. Mm. Email two from Ryan Lord in Oklahoma. Hey, Ryan. Mm, Ryan was one of our earliest uh, Twitter followers. Yeah. So do we have... He has this very distinctive... uh, I think it's like a green Muppet or something for his uh, Twitter (laughs) profile. It just jumps out at me every time I see it. So where is a tornado-heavy area in uh, Galarian? Well, Texas is the man away. So what about like Thuvia or Rahadum or somewhere deserty? Because that makes me think of like the Dust Bowl in like Oklahoma. It's like flat. Yeah. I mean, Catapesh also. Like, Catapesh is grasslands. Which is very Oklahoma. Grasslands and cacti. With the wind. <laughs> that's basically yeah, I mean, that's on the plains. That's <laughs> All right, so Catapesh? Why not? Okay, so Ryan Lord from Catapesh. Catapesh, yeah, Catapesh. He could be from, uh, yeah. I was going to say, we could put him in uh, Kelmarine. Yeah. All right. an up and coming. I think we put someone else in Kelmarine before. Yeah, no, Kelmarine's, a, Kelmarine's a nice right, Kelmarine's city. Nice. It's up and coming. It's got a good nobody, set of heroes Nobody wants here. to come and live in Nidal with me. It's fine. So I'm sure there are some people. I think the, somebody the, the put gothy people there. will email eventually. Yeah, the goths <laughs> no, go there. They're, they're, they're slow on the uptake if they're anything like me. If you're part of the goth lifestyle, go ahead and send us an email. <laughs> and tell us you're from Night and we'll be like, cool. Yep. I mean, right. you don't even have to be a goth. You could just be into the BDSM scene. That's fine. Yeah, that's true. Also. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you just like dark, spooky stuff like I do. Ryan says, Good afternoon. Hello. Hello. I heard on one of your last podcasts that you needed more fan mail. And since yep. Oklahoma has frozen over now, I have time to sit down and tell you oh, how much yes. I'm enjoying Find yeah. the Path. Yeah, Texas was frozen over, too. It, wasn't, yeah. it was bad times all it around. Was weird. It was kind of nice at but first. But thank you for bad. thinking of us. Yes. Let me tell you how much I enjoy your podcast, and then I'll ask my question. Okay. First, I want to thank you for putting the correct spelling of your characters on your website. Thank you. I feel like that's a low bar, and I am glad we got there, guys. Leap over that bar. Great. Vault it. (laughs) All right. um, Like a legendary acrobatics check. Heather, I miss Onuris, but I am in love with Masika. Oh, thank you. I've also just found out that Narmer is the same name of the first known pharaoh. Was Uh that you or Rick? 
That was me on purpose, and it's actually why Masika and Narmer are catfish themed, because yeah. <laughs> Narmer was like the if you, the name translates as like the catfish king or the catfish pharaoh. King so catfish, yeah, yeah. So there's there's <laughs> a that's actually why they are catfish themed and why his name is Narmer. Historical fact. <laughs> it is a historical fact. I think it's also part of the reason why uh, like Narmer and Masika are slightly lightning themed too. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because from what I understand, the the Nile catfish could do little electricity bursts to stun things. Yep. So he says... With uh, their barbels. As as a GM, I always find it hard to add a new member member to the original group without it feeling forced. I like that Masika has her own reasons to join the party to fight just as hard as them. Are you pulling Masika's personality from somewhere? Not really. Masika is more... I wanted a character that was different than Onuris, so the opposite of Onuris was more upbeat. And then Rick just took Narmer's prankster personality and ran with it. So I think Rick and I are just basically playing off of each other for her personality hmm. and Narmer's go. personality. Next is uh, Jordan. I have me. fallen in love with Sudi. The way you've taken this catfolk monk makes me want to play a monk. I also enjoy Wait, the fact that you don't this? let Seriously? the loss of an eye hold you back <laughs> with having fun in the game. I myself enjoy having injuries like that for my character. I once had a paladin of Serenray who lost his left hand and went from a two-handed sword to a one-handed sword with a shield strapped to his left forearm. Nice. Oh, that's cool. That's a good way to like kind of overcome that. That is to you know learn to adapt and find a way to make it interesting. Um, I think I've said this before, but Sudi is my first uh, character that has had a uh, not easily fixable in- injury because <laughs> plenty with injuries, mm. and it's been interesting. It's actually been um, I think uh, really interesting experience um not really to the point where i'd want to create a character that necessarily has that kind of a disability but um maybe in because second edition is coming out with uh accessible like oh, the items wheelchair, yeah yeah so mm-hmm. i'm actually really excited to maybe do something that's a little bit more like that all right awesome jessica that's me why does hollis have a non-working gun is rick not letting you shoot your way through the ap come on <laughs> you can tell me the truth i can't keep a secret okay for real I've enjoyed Hollis and her use of magic for everything. Like, why not? If I had magic, I wouldn't be doing anything mundane. Exactly. How do you pick your spells? That's the hardest part when I play a magic-based character. Oh, by the way, congrats on getting married, both to you and Jordan. Thanks. First of all, Hollis's non-working gun is is a non-inside joke about the fact that I was like, well, if if Sagira leaves, I'm going to play a gunslinger. So I was like, it'll be fun. I'll look like a gunslinger, and then I'll be a wizard. So that's like the the reason she has the gun. But then in her backstory, she borrowed it from a guy or she got it as a gift and she can't get rid of it, blah, blah, blah. It only fired once. How I pick spells is I look at Archives of Nethys at all every spell that exists. I make sure I get at least one abjuration spell because that's my school. And then I look for spells that will give me the most ability to cause shenanigans. So that could be I want to kill someone. So I, I look for like disintegrate or it's like, wow, this is a weird spell. It pissed people in an icy cage. So uh, I'm just looking for spells that give me either a really cool damage effect or a really cool like this could be handy kind of a thing. Because wizards get to be like a Swiss army knife. You get to have a spell book full of all the spells and you can prepare them especially if you have like fast study and some other feats and things that let you do that stuff on the fly so not a great there's not a scientific answer i just look for what sounds cool and useful rachel did you name citra after citra island i figured you didn't but i had to ask 
I really enjoy that you play a rogue that doesn't have to be shady and wanting to always backstab the party or always try to steal something. <laughs> it is something I hate both as a player and a GM. Is Citra yeah. an unchained rogue or an original rogue? <laughs> well, to answer the first question, no, Citra is not named after Citra Island. Did not know there was a Citra Island, but that's pretty cool. We'll have to go see it someday. Um, sh- I actually got her name because um, one of my favorite YA authors writes, wrote this amazing book series called Scythe, and one of the main characters was... I think it's actually pronounced Chitra because it's C-I-T-R-A. And I just loved the sound of it. So I just kind of adapted it so that it was more Assyriani sounding, I guess. So um, it could be yeah. an S with everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> to join Team S. Um, and yes, I don't really do well with backstabby characters. It's not my thing. So my rogue wasn't backstabby. Um, and Citra is indeed an unchained rogue. Backstabby rogues, rogues do not make a... Uh, it is fun for the one person. Playing yep. the rogue, it and is it not fun for anyone else in the group. Else crazy, getting yeah. robbed. One hundred ten percent. You really don't want the healer to be like, mm, "You could die." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely don't yeah. take off your healer. I honestly yeah. think rogues have that reputation from going back to AD and D when the class was called thief. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Rick, I know how much you mm-hmm. hate being told how awesome you are, so I won't tell you. <laughs> uh, so I won't tell you how when I listen to your voice, I not only enjoy the sound but can also see the setting you describe. Thank I you. won't tell you that your knowledge of the rules is impressive and the way you help your players build the world they live in is unique. I won't tell you how I enjoy the way you take your NPCs and make them come alive. I won't tell you any of this, but you'll still read the words and know it's true. <laughs> Basically, well Rick, Rick, I'm you confident suck. in what I do. <laughs> I just feel awkward when people are, are presenting it to me. Like, I, I know I'm pretty good at this, but <laughs> 13,000 people can't be wrong. You're all right, I guess. All right. Now for a few questions. Number one, where would I live in the world of Galarian? I'm from the northeast part of Oklahoma. Well, we, oh, we said that. We yep. put you in Calarain, Catapesh. Yep. Uh, number the two. The northern part of Catapesh. If I were to mail you my one E-Core rule book, would you sign it? Yes. Sure. Yes. Oh, absolutely, sure. yeah. Mm-hmm. Number three. I'll pull a... Jace, I'll pull a uh, James Jacobs or Jason Bowman, where they fight over who gets to sign it in the red dragon's mouth. <laughs> if you ever take it to PaizoCon and you ask them to sign it, I'm going to be giant letters. I'll right go in and mouth. highlight my favorite spells. There you go. <laughs> Get the annotated copy. Yeah, yes. that's fun. <laughs> All right. Number three, how do I join the Discord? Jess? There's a link on the website. So go to find-path.com and click on the link. I believe it's in the upper right-hand corner. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It has a little Discord icon. Number four, what is your favorite set of dice? Well, I'm going to give a shout out as we all do have Norse Foundry uh, cool nice. dice that do have our logos on them. So thank you again to uh, Norse Foundry. And uh, also you can buy them off of a store. Uh, although Rachel did give me a wonderful set of wooden dice, which I have uh, on my desk here. They're from our first Valentine's. can't remember who made them. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, I like my wooden dice because uh, I like to have a, a kind of a classic aesthetic. I like my Hollis dice because they... They're from Beholder's Gaze, I think, and they have uh, little skulls inside of them. So they're clear with like little skulls inside. They're very cute. I mean, I'd, I'd like to say that my favorite dice are the dice that roll best for me, but we all know that's a joke. So <laughs> Your favorite um, dice are the fake dice on the internet. Yeah, I, actually, yes, I do have fairly good, sometimes good luck on the uh, the random rolls. Um, but I, uh, I got a set of dice that were actually sent to me for a Kickstarter campaign that are custom designed individual dice. And they're made of, I think it's anodized aluminum. And you get to pick like the border around it. You get to pick what goes on the 20. You get to pick the font of the dice. And they sent me a couple based on, like I sent them my character sheet and they sent me a couple to 
um, review. And so I've got like my D6s have little like little punch icons on them. So it looks like I'm like, you know, doing a flurry of blows. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I like those a lot. Level up dice? Is it level up uh, dice? Jess was correct. So the dice that I got were from Level Up Dice. They do still have their Kickstarter up. Um, if you look up Level Up Dice, uh, it is called Adventurer's Curated Dice Collection. I, I do like my Norse Foundry dice, but my favorite dice set is a site I got off a shop on Etsy, and I can't remember the name of the shop, but they have cats on them. <laughs> and several of the dice have cats, like a cat head for the, like the high number, and then the lowest number on the dice is a little cat butt. So... <laughs> When I roll a one, it's still sad, but it makes me giggle because cat butt. So cat butt. all of us around here just, you know, we kind of like cats just a little true. bit. It's true. Just, it's true. Just a little bit. I think combining Heather and Jordan's together, um, I think we all signed up for that uh, perihedrals. Oh, yes. I, I haven't gotten them yet, so, so they can't be my favorite. They're not in but yet, but we'll I'm find excited. Out. The shop is uh, that I got my set from is you are wizards they sell a bunch of different really cool oh i've seen that that like the letters you are yeah you are and then wizards Hmm. i'd say aesthetically my favorite set is actually uh this beautiful green crystal set that uh heather actually got me for my birth i think it was birthday it was birthday or christmas some holiday um (laughs) However, I do have a singular favorite dice. Your green um, one? Yes. <laughs> it is my first D20 that I ever bought at Madness Comics whenever we were learning and we bought like all the different color dice. And for some reason, this little green dice rolls better than all of my other dice. So I just continue to use this dice for every single character mm. because it brings me luck. And it's probably all in my head, but I love this dice. When her other D20s are rolling bad, she gets mad and busts out the green D20, and that's when you know that's, uh, that's when it's it got serious real. Time. <laughs> yeah. you know? yep. So I, I like my one green dice. <laughs> one one time, Rachel forgot it, and she was very upset. Was really <laughs> oh, yeah, she got real mad. <laughs> but none of us are superstitious about our dice at all. That's not a trait that <laughs> tabletop gamers have. Anyway, uh, hey Heather, um, when's the last time someone touched your dice? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) Anyway, all right, question number five. After Mummy's Mask, is there plans for playing another AP? Yes. 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 You know, you you probably shouldn't have put these in like yes or no format because that's all you're getting. Yes. (laughs) I will answer nothing pertaining towards that. (laughs) Six. Do you allow custom-created weapons for your character, or do you keep to what Paizo has published? I believe published. For the podcast, it is all published material. Yep. 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 All right. This last part is not a question, but more of a suggestion. In your episode descriptions, would you be willing to add the character level and the name of the book you're playing in? I've seen a few other real play podcasts do this and found it helpful to keep track of when listening to several different real plays. We do put level. Our character levels are in there, although from what I understand, it depends on what you're listening to us on. Apparently some RSS feeds will cut it off because we do a line by line of the characters and the players. Oh, and, and they all the probably have a text down. limit of how and much And they'll, they'll have show. a text limit. So if you're, depending on what you're looking at, but if uh, you're listening off of our website, they're all on there as well as most RSS readers. Uh, I do know, I think it's Spotify. Uh, sometimes cuts off the bottom of ours. Yeah. Hmm. Book is an interesting choice. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of Rick's the one that posts all that stuff, hmm. so it's up to him. I have no control. Yeah, I mean, that, that might also make it a little bit easier for people that are going back through and going, well, I can't remember. They were doing something. It was the beginning of book three. Yeah, yeah. but sometimes uh, the maybe book titles are spoilery. 
You can just put book one, book two, book three. Yeah, we just put that. Anyway. All right. He says, again, I wanted to thank you for taking the time uh, to read this, and I hope your next role is a critical hit. Right. Me too. <laughs> That's the best send-off you can give us. Except for Rick's. Yes, except for Rick's. Why, why, why did you give that to all of us? You guys, you guys are past the crazy bull thing, so you're good. Mm. <laughs> for <laughs> he now. Says. All right. Well, uh, that actually wraps up our emails for today. So we sort of ran out of deities to ba -ba -da -da. cast. So instead, we're going to do the Lost Omens Legends characters. Um, so which one are we doing for today? You got to roll. If you want to go ahead and bounce me a d20, I have a curated list speaking, of some of our favorite legends. And speaking of the green d20, that is what I am rolling right now. Better be high or else you built it up. I think when Rick went through and picked out characters, that wouldn't be too spoilery for APs and that kind of thing. So, <laughs> 16. 16, you say? 16, I say. So for today, we're going to be casting Talandia Edrasil, the queen of the elven homelands. Oh, Humans may think they play games of politics well, but they know nothing of the statecraft of the elves, who have had centuries at hand to plot and plan. Queen Talandia Edrasil of Kionan plays that game better than anyone, hence keeping her throne longer than many of her fellow world leaders have been alive. The elven mage rules over her subjects with grace and skill, keeping the nation of Kionan united, despite its citizens' dislike of anything resembling authoritarian commands. She has a stilly gaze and a serious demeanor and has been described as looking more like a painting brought to life than a real person. The queen wears the traditional symbol of Kionan monarchy, the Vidrian crown, an enchanted circlet made of vines and flowers that change with the seasons. She has scarcely a hair out of place, although occasionally light talon marks grace her skin, a sign of the queen's one passion aside from the throne. She is not only a skilled falconer, but magically assumes falcon form herself, flying alongside her beloved bird, Niranen. Mm. No casting Gladriel. Yeah, I know. I was like, this is a problem because <laughs> yeah. she's already cast. I, I kind of had an old school thought for this one. Oh, yeah? It's your prerogative. You get to go first if you want to. I know. I, like Honestly, the first thought that came to my head, she's an incredible actress you know she was a like forerunner for so many things and by god she wore pants Catherine Hepper oh I love her uh huh nice nice when he she, describing her and she's like almost ethereal beauty going on here and just I, I, I don't know she's very elfy to me and I love Catherine Hepburn that's who I'm going with Catherine Hepburn hmm. okay uh, Elizabeth Olsen Ooh. Hmm. Okay. She could be a good choice. Little Scarlet Witch. Yeah, we know she can do the witchy thing, and she has <laughs> she has features that I think would suit an elf as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, she's got kind of like an angular. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. That, that's why I like Catherine Hepburn because yeah. it was that very kind of angled chin almost. All right, I'm yeah. ready. She has not been cast. I checked. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. Okay. Another nice good choice. One. I nice. I think she was put up for something. Yes. I think but the she's least not real. cast. Yeah. And she is fierce AF. Yeah, she is. Ethereal rocks being blonde very well, of which the Queen of the Elves is. Uh, I'm going to go with Nicole Kidman. Mm -hmm. Always a big Nicole Kidman okay. fan. She has that, that noblesque air to her. She carries herself very well. There's a stern but almost playful manner to her. Yeah. What was the the others? That was the one I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. Where she had that very that very distinct, the short blonde hair <laughs> and that, like, that protective but also nurturing manner that I think kind of embodies the idea of this this queen of these ethereal people. Keep using ethereal. Okay. 
then for mine, uh, I'm going to throw out Tilda Swinton. Huh. I was wondering if somebody was going to pick <laughs> yeah, her. Yeah, I considered it. Yeah, well, I, I I didn't realize that she's she's sixty. She looks really good for sixty. So she's already got like the elven aging thing down. Oh. Um, <laughs> she she played uh, the White Witch in the Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe movie. So she's mm. done like a magic user kind of a thing, other than the you know the ancient one in uh, Doctor Strange. But uh, she's yeah. got like that. Um, she looks I feel like, an like alien. especially if you're looking at Galarian elves, she would rock actually having solid eyes and it not look as kind of off putting. Because she does kind of have that, like again, kind of ethereal look to her. What a what fantasy thing was Nicole Kidman in? Uh, the Golden Compass. Golden, Golden Compass, Compass. Yeah, yeah, she was. The Golden I never Compass. saw it, but yeah, she's the bad bad lady in Golden Compass. Isn't she? Yes. Well, so yeah, Nicole Kidman. Those are our choices. So go ahead and go vote. And if you guys don't know who Catherine Hepburn is, like if I'm if I'm aging she's myself cool. a little bit with that knowledge. That was before you. Go watch I, some movies. I, I feel like people should know who Katherine Hepburn is. People should know who Katherine Hepburn is, but a lot of people don't know who Katherine Hepburn is. She was an African queen with Bogey, right? With Bogey, yeah. Okay. Her yeah, and Lauren Bacall stuff. are like my my ladies of the, the black and white screen. I love them. <laughs> anyway, so go on our Reddit page and vote, 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 and let us know what you guys think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well... We will see you next time, Pathfolk. Yep. Bye. Bye. Good luck, Pathfinders. Exciting times ahead. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mommy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mommy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.